Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Luke chapter 1, verses 68. Let's open our Bibles, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke chapter 1, verses 68. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and the Bible says, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant, underlined servant David. And the Bible says, and he has respect by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have, since, have been since the world began, that we should be saved, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Somebody say, I'm saved. I'm saved from my enemies and from the hand of those that hate me. Say it again and say, I'm saved from my enemies and from the hand of, of, of all that hate me. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? I believe it too. Praise God. And the Bible says, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which is swear to our father Abraham, that he would grant us that we, being delivered out of the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our lives. Not on a few instances when it's working and a few instances when it's not working. He said, all the days of our lives. Somebody say amen. All the days of our lives. All the days of our lives. Somebody say Amen. Recently, I started a, little, a small conversation in, on one of those Sunday services. And um, I told the saints that were available during that time that, and I've always said this, it's a more of a multiple reiteration that I'll not stop to speak, that success is not by mistake. Tell your neighbor, success is not by mistake. Praise God. Favor is not mistake. It's not a mistake. You don't just wake up and then somebody, you find favor before men. Praise the Lord, somebody. You don't just wake up and then people just like you. Of course, it doesn't mean that you won't get haters. Yeah, them haters are there. Praise God and let them keep on what? Hating. But those who matter will love you. <laughs> those who what? Who matter will love you. Praise the Lord. You're not... You don't, you're not going to become a success by mistake. Somebody shout hallelujah. The star that you are spiritually shines and shines and shines and shines. He says the path of the just. The Bible says shines brighter and brighter unto a perfect day. The message Bible says the longer they live, the brighter they shine. Praise the Lord. That means that there is a definite mind of God to make you shine brighter next week than you have been shining this week. And he has deliberately made it that you're going to shine next month more than you shine this month. You're going to shine next year more than you shined last year. And they ask to come 10 years later you'll be shining brighter than they are now is. Every morning you wake up to a light that ignites your soul and your spirit. It makes you relevant and causes you to profit. The Bible says, blessed be the Lord that make, causes us to profit. He teaches us, the Bible says, to profit. He teaches us to profit. That means that the profiting is in instruction. You're instructed in the way of the Lord. And by that instruction, the Lord causes you to profit. Profit means you add value and are added. Somebody shout hallelujah. You don't live a normal life. You understand what I'm saying? A man tomorrow is going to wake up. And have a very big conglomerate of business worth billions of dollars. And he's going to look for somebody to trust it with. I'm just giving you an example. And he's going to put a job advertisement in the newspapers, for example. Or an announcement, wherever, on radio or television. 
Oh, he's going to put a notice to grant contract in the newspapers. It's probably not a job. It's probably a contract. And then probably eight or 10,000 or 500 or 600 people are going to apply. And each one of them is going to put their credentials, their portfolio. You understand? And everybody's going to speak their experiences of work and how good they have been in this and how many years of experience they've had and how much expertise they have and how much technical they are and how much they are willing to do this and that and that and that and that and that. And then, of course, for those of you who have been to job interviews, some, you know that some of those interviews don't end that day. You understand? Some of them, oh, now there's this one, there's a primary thing. You know, I never did those interviews that don't end. Me, I did once. I used to always do once because I was deep. Praise God. They, they, they interview me, they hire me. That's my way. Praise God. But anyway, long and short, some of you like two, three, four, five times. Oh, sometimes it's just a system. It's a process. Right? It's, it's beyond you as a human being, even though you're, you could be considered. And then out of there, one person is selected. One. In those 500, there were like 100 Christians. 70 Muslims. 300 atheists. You understand what I'm saying? And other religions. And all of those people that morning, except for the atheists, all of those people probably, biggest percentage of people go for interviews, they pray, God. They profess, they confess, they, they claim, they possess, they, they arrest the hands and the legs and the mouths and, 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 and the brains of the interviewers. God, when I enter that room, let them be struck by the beauty that is coming out of my spirit. Slap them with my glory, God. Hit them. I commend myself to their consciences. The moment they hear me, they'll want to hire. Then you speak all that stuff. Then you get in the interview. And after the interview, they call you. And they say, sorry, you did not make it. And some of you out of curiosity, in future, you want to follow through. Who got it? Who got this thing? Huh? And then you discover, it was some Kagai Sapas who was just there. He even looked funny. He wasn't even an unbeliever. He was the most scared when you were encouraging yourself in the spirit. Praise God. And then the child of the Christian fails to get that job. And all of them cite inexcusable things, sometimes which are not applicable in context, albeit they might be applicable in scripture when you read the Bible. Some things do not apply in the context by which some people claim to put scripture. They put scripture in the wrong concept. And the guy say, makes a statement like, you know, if it was mine, it would come. I think the Lord is telling me it wasn't mine. Okay, listen. He would have told you earlier so you don't waste your time in the interview. He didn't need to speak to you by spending and then putting on a tie to enter there. And then you, you spend the whole day without eating food because you want to pass. And then after that, they tell you, ah, ah no, sorry, we, we are not able. No, 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 no. Tell your neighbor, that is not God. Oh, some people use witchcraft. Oh, the guy had a cousin in the inside there. And then that cousin somehow made it uh, possible for that person to go through, you know, me, I would have gotten that job, but you know, tribalism, uh, you can give all your nonsense and give results, uh, I'm sorry, reasons as to why you didn't get that job, but you didn't get that job. You understand? But let me tell you something. There is a time in life where you're stuck and shine so bright yeah, that you're the one who refuses it. That you're the one who refuses the job and say, ah, no, guys, thank you for the job, but I have a bigger deal to do. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's possible. At least turn it down. Let it not be the one to turn you down. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. There's many opportunities that are going to come in this world. But that's not a guarantee that it is yours as an individual. You must know how to make your star shine. And I always mention that. So I promise people and I said, I'm going to share a few things. And, and it's not going to end today. It's not going to end today. I think next Thursday and the other Thursday, it's probably going to take three services for me to give you a picture of exactly how to make your stars shine. You see, success in the scriptures is very predictable when a man understands how it comes. Praise God. That is why he tells you to give yourself to the word. He tells you 
the renewing of your mind, that you would know that acceptable, that good and perfect will of God concerning your life. He refuses you to be conformed to the standards of this world. Give me the amplified of that. He says, do not be conformed to this world or this age. That means this, do not be fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs. This world has a way it understands success. It has a way it understands glory. It has a way it understands prosperity. It has a way it understands blessing. It has a way it understands anything. Praise God. The revelation of success and anything that should happen in our life for us as a Christian is firstly that it comes in the revelation of the love of God. Both for, for, for the individual that is flashing these things onto and also for the purpose of that individual as to why the Lord is blessing you. It's not just a selfish pursuit, a selfish lustful desire of simply wanting to acquire without purpose. God just, just doesn't want to make you rich without purpose. He just doesn't want to give you money so you boast and say, I'm rich. Praise God. That's lasting. We want to be rich by purpose. Tell your neighbor, amen. We want to have children by purpose. We want to get married by purpose. We want to do big contracts by purpose. We want to preach the gospel by purpose. We want to build the kingdom by purpose. We want to have purpose as the center of things. And purpose cannot walk without agape, which is the love of God. Agape is a result of purpose. When purpose is revealed, men walk in love. And when love is revealed, men walk in purpose. Both are results of each other. Some find the love of God first before they find purpose. And some find the purpose first before they find love. But many of us, purpose and love are related. Somebody shout hallelujah. So we, we are not like some who just want to uh, tickle your fancy into the direction of amassing and God shining upon you just to waste time and become uh, useless to the kingdom of God. You must have substance. You must bring the kingdom of God some sort of value. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. When Jesus was born, the brightest star went in the sky. Now that, that is in the classification of ancient wisdom. It's ancient wisdom. Some of you know that the men from the east, those wise men which bring uh, frankincense, uh, mar and gold, eh? gold, frankincense and mar, right? Those, those wise men which bring the gifts to Jesus, they were not believers in the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Were they? No. But it was ancient wisdom that every man was represented by a star somewhere up there. You understand what I'm saying? So when they are dealing with the Christ, they know that if there's a bright star up here, we have to move ages and days and years, it doesn't matter how long it takes us. We'll leave whatever we have and go look for this guy because we must bless him. Because we know if we bless this star, there's no way we shall not be blessed. Did Jesus beg? No, he did not beg. Did Jesus go to seek financial help from people? When you get a certain level in God, you stop begging. You stop begging. Tell your neighbor you stop begging. There's a place where you stop. You just wake up and stop. Why? Because you're shining bright enough to attract. Somebody shout hallelujah. Did he not say that surely goodness and mercy shall what? Follow you. They will pursue you and override you. And you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the blessing of the Lord. Then you call people and then they refuse to answer your calls. Then you take 10 text messages and then they don't answer. Why? Because you're the one who needs them. And I'm talking of a Christian to whom he told that you shall lend and have no need of borrowing. Two nations. He says you shall be the head and not the tail. You shall go above and not beneath. He promised that you go upward and upward only. He promised of that brightness. Praise God. But you live like a beggar. You live disadvantaged. You live, oh God, God forbid, God forbid. Tell your neighbor, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid, God forbid. Praise God. The representation of this star shining upon your life, to the degree it shines, it is to the attention that you get from the people who must bless you. It is with a favor that you will get when you're around men. 
It is the way people will not, will not, will not, they, they will not resist you. Because there's something on your life, they, they might not have a word for it. You understand? Eh? There's something on your life that makes things, it makes things easy. So, somebody shout hallelujah. How many of you have heard of an English word called serendipity? There's an English word called serendipity. Of course, it was coined in the 1700s. Interestingly, the guy who coined it, later when you read the story from which he coined the word, you know, you realize that it, it sort of was, he, he was mistaken in the story, but he, he still, the, the point, the, the point of derivation was that he had a conviction of what he wanted to explain. Now, serendipity, like they say, it, it's, of course, it came from one of those Persian tales, right? But it's a place where you find things you're not looking for. All, all, all things that you're not looking for find you. But I, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You wake up in the morning, you, you didn't plan to go out of the house. But something tells you, walk out. And then you walk out and find a guy and he blesses you. You could have stayed in the house. But the star can't. The fever on you can't. It just moves you to places where men bless you. Hallelujah. It causes you to make that phone call at the right time. It causes you to meet the right person for the right deal. It causes the right person to come in your life when you need them at that particular point. Because they must be a part and tag to your destiny. That thing happens. Do you understand what I'm saying? You wake up and things are just working. Things are just working. You needed to contact some guy called Peter, and this Peter has a multi-million dollar deal, but you don't have Peter's number. You understand? And that day, when you're parking at around for a small, something tells you, why don't you cross over to a shop? And go and look at the clothes there. And then as you're entering that shop, boom, you find Peter. And so like, I, I, I was looking. I. The Bible says he shall not withhold any good thing from you. He shall not withhold any good thing from you. Tell somebody they're talking about me. Slap somebody. Don't fear. Slap them until they're talking about me. Let me prophesy upon your life. You're going to find things you're not looking for. And they will be the same things you need at the exact point and the exact time at the appointed period. In the mighty name of Jesus. Shout hallelujah if you got it. If you don't find them, they'll find you. Without a struggle. Without a struggle. I'm talking of that moment where the guy is looking for somebody to hire. He goes in a restaurant and you're the one there. And God blinds him from anybody who should take advantage. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. It's possible. It's possible. It's very possible. It's very, very possible. Somebody shout hallelujah. Be seated. The race is not to the swift. It's not. But time and chance. And God has appointed such moments for you. It's what makes the difference between you and any other person next to you. You're found and you find without looking. Praise God. Things can disappear away from you even when you're looking for them. How many of you know that? You keep something somewhere and then you ignore it and then one day when you need it, it's not there. Then the day when you don't need it, the thing is just there and you're like, 
That is ungodly. Refuse it in the mighty name of Jesus. Am I making sense? So in these three or four sessions, I'll be touching various things. Some are going to be very exciting. Some are going to be very rebuking. Some are going to be very sobering. Some of them are not going to be easy for you to chew. But they are what makes the difference. Somebody say amen. amen. They are what makes the difference. Like I say, this was ancient wisdom. That even men which did not know how God knew. That once you see a star shining so bright, it is representing somebody. And you have to locate it. These men moved and moved and moved and moved. And they were looking for one person. Jesus. And they had to bless him with the best that they had. Because they knew you, when you meet a king, you must carry a gift. Praise God. That kingly anointing, people will bless you. I mean, people will bless you. I mean, people will bless you. And they will bless you. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Now, I'll speak three or four things, depending on how the Lord will lead me. Or how he will... I feel led by the Spirit. Today I'm going to touch one thing. Praise God. In Luke, the Bible speaks of the servant David. Hallelujah. And the place of how that the Lord has delivered us from the hands of our enemies and those that hate us. And the Bible says, because we were delivered, in verse 74, from our enemies, the Bible says that we might serve him. Somebody says, serve him. In Exodus chapter 9 and 1, the Bible says, Then the Lord said unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh and tell him that thus saith the Lord God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. John chapter 12 verses 25, he says, He that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And he says, Where I am there shall also my servant be. And the Bible says, If any man serve me, he will, he will my father honor. Ephesians. Chapter 6, verses 5. He says, servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh with fear and in trembling and in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. For not with thy service as men please us, but as the servants of Christ doing with the will of God from the heart. With God doing, with good will doing service as unto the Lord and unto men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same he shall receive of the Lord whether he be bound or free. I want to talk about service. Hey, now they've kept quiet. Serendipity. Service. He says, he, in John, he says that he that serves me, let him follow me. The Bible says, he, and where I am, that my servant, he says, where I am, my servant, the Bible says, will also be and him the bible says that serves me the bible says my father will honor do you want god to uphold you do you want god to honor you a certain way do you want god to favor you a certain way learn to serve there are men here they've never served anybody and they don't they don't they, they, will, they don't serve anybody they serve themselves and the Bible says that it shall be done unto you. If you don't serve men, you will not be served. Now silence has happened. That is what he says in Ephesians 6, 7. He's saying 6, 8. He says, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, the same shall he receive of the Lord. Pastors. Why do you want men to serve you when you cannot serve men? Somebody tell me. Why do you want men to yield to you and be willing in your day of power when you're not willing in the day of another man's power? Why do you want men to interpret your dream when you're not interpreting a man's dream? Do you understand what I'm saying? You 
people who work at your workplaces. Your immediate boss is not just your peer. Your immediate boss is your master. You're not, you're not serving your... Listen, even if you're, you have a supervisor at your workplace, huh? every time you're standing before that supervisor, make him feel that he's, you are a servant to him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you, you get so overinflated with a huge and inexcusable and indifferent ego, which is not according to the teaching of Jesus Christ. He said, oh, me, I have God in me. How do you talk to me like that? <laughs> Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world, even though you're my boss. You're not my God. <laughs> Listen. Do you know how many Christians they cannot hire? Because your attitude is rotten to those who are above you. Give honor to whom honor is due. Praise to whom praise is due. Custom to whom custom is due. And fear to whom fear is due. And honor to whom honor is due. Learn to respect who is above you. It ain't matter how old they are. It ain't matter whether they are your size or your age. It ain't matter whether they have a lot or they don't. If somebody is above you, honor them because they are above you. You can never attract what you don't honor. You can't. Be not deceived. And there is no level of honor like serving. There is no way of expressing honor like when you serve a man. Or when you serve what you admire. You understand what I'm saying? Some people think that they are going to go to church, get scriptures, speak them all over their lives, start fasting and pray, come every Thursday, go every Sunday, go for every conference, get lay hands on, and then they think that out of that, they're just going to wake up and then they're going to go up there and then they'll become so big. You understand? That's not how it happens. That's not how it happens. That's not how it happens. The Lord told me to stop pastoring years ago. And I went under a man and when I entered that church, I didn't tell him I have a gift. I did not go to express my ability. I got my hands and started sweeping the church. I got my hands and started, we built the church with his hands. We washed toilets and washed cars. We shopped groceries and, and slashed compounds. Until the attention came. You see, when you're faithful in service, there's a way you, you get a certain attention. When, without even knowing, if you want to be attended to, if you want men to give a certain attention to you, let God find you serving. It's not about the gifts that you have. It's beyond the gifts that you'll ever have. The world is not looking for gifted men. The world is looking for committed men. The world is looking for faithful men. And faithfulness is commitment and availability. Are you hearing me? Even when we were handing over the oracles, he didn't say hand these oracles over to men which are gifted. No, he says you shall, you shall give these things, commit these things to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The anointing on my life does not go to a man who is gifted and I cannot release it because a man is gifted. I don't put gifting above faithfulness. Give me a faithful man and I'll reproduce myself in him. Give me a man who is gifted and he'll only look at cheap copy of a great original. That is how the gospel is you do not promote it because you're gifted more than the man of the household. No, you are promoted because you are faithful and faithful means you are committed and available. Some people are available but they're not committed. Some people are committed but they're not available. Some come every day but, but they're not available to serve. Some are committed, they have a, a given role in the ministry but they're not always available and it happens like that ancient things are committed to faithful men praise God faithfulness is above gift never reward gift above faithfulness when a man is loyal to you love them more than the man who is gifted because you need that man more than the gift that will ever surround you. Gifts come and go. And the Bible is very clear. They can be desired honestly and gotten. 
Gifts can be gotten anytime, but faithfulness is not some that you get. Faithfulness is the state of a man's heart toward God. And no man can be faithful without the revelation of the person he's faithful to. They can't hire our Christians because they don't even understand the basics of service. They don't understand. Years ago, I met a Muslim man he has three shops in Grand Imperial. Three shops in Grand Imperial. Very rich guys build buildings around. He has his money. And I'll call this guy and I tell him, I want a shirt. And he asks me, where are you? I tell him, I'm here. And the guy gets on a border border to come and bring me a shirt. Christians. Christians. No, if he can't come, let him. Me, I can't. Why? Because I'm my own boss. You know, they say, oh, no, mwana. And he'll come and say, yes, sir. What do you want me to change, sir? What? Okay, sir. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay, sir. Let me come, sir. Do you understand what I'm saying? Even at your businesses, you stumble. Christians are the people who have failed most with fellow Christians, even when it comes to business deals and contracts. This is the person you're working with and you can't fire because you go to the same church. But they're the ones who are not time conscious. They're the ones who are not responsible. They're the ones who are disrespectful. They're the ones who are pompous. They're the ones who are everything that you know that is ugly. And then you can't do anything to them because you know your fellow Christians. If you do it, you're going to feel like a guilt spree on your heart and say, oh God, why did I do it? Fire them! Why? Because you're loyal. You're loyal. To whoever sits on the throne. You're not loyal to the subject. I'm loyal to whoever leads. Listen. I am loyal to whoever sits on the throne. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's, that's called... Uh, you, you watch Black Panther? One general woman said, I am loyal to whoever sits on that throne. Somebody came to me and told me, Apostle, I think I'm going to hell. I asked them why. And then they said, the Bible refuses us to have tattoos. And so I'm going to hell. I asked him, where is it written? When you read that scripture, you'll be shocked what it exactly says. And I'm not saying go have a tattoo. I'm only saying if you got born again and found yourself with one, that doesn't take you to hell. And they make you less. Traditions. Read your scriptures. He spoke of marks of the dead. The dead. Anyway. Traditions. Praise God. Christians are frustrating because they don't know the basic principles of service. Matthew 20, I think, I think 28. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve the son of God. Jesus Christ, 2028. 20, he says, even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life for a ransom of many. Jesus, the son of God. He did not come. To be ministered to. He came to minister. In other words, it didn't change the fact that 12 disciples followed him or that people served him. Yes, they did serve him. But he, he did not look for it. What he looked for was to serve. What he looked for was to be a minister. Jesus, the son of God. Praise the Lord. He did not come to, to, to get used. If you don't do this, serve me. You are clean. Wash my dog. Clean my shoe. No, no, no. He didn't come with that attitude. He came with the attitude of wanting to serve men. Yes, men served him, but he did not ask them to serve him. They served him because he was serving men, and he did not seek to serve them to serve him. They simply served him because he planted a principle, and that principle had to follow him as he was serving. Men served him, but his primary intention was not to be served. And sadly, Christians have that sense of what? Entitlement. I'm a bishop. If you don't do this, I'm a bishop. 
carry my Bible, I'm a bishop. If you don't do this, I'm a pan apostle. If you don't do this, I'm a prophet. If you don't, I'm a man of God. If you don't do this, no. He's servant the bishop. He's servant the prophet. Those are guys, if they don't open their door, they can't come out. He'll stay seated. Then they open his door, then he walks out like. Those are my things. Eh? Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah. Your star will shine brighter when you learn to serve. Let me show you a few things in scripture that are going to amaze you. Our father Abraham in Genesis 18, he was fellowshipping with God. Let's begin from verse 1. Our father Abraham. Somebody say Abraham, our father. So the Bible says, the Lord appears unto him in the plains of Mamre, and he sat in the tent door in the heat of the day. And he lifted up his eyes and looked, and lo, three men stood by him. And when he saw them, listen to the father. Now, remember, at that particular point, Abraham was exceedingly rich. He was a blessed man. The Lord had prospered him in every way. He wasn't a poor guy. He wasn't a pauper. He wasn't a beggar. He wasn't a disadvantaged fellow. He had seen the hand of the Lord and he was the blessed of the Lord. But then he sees three men and when he saw them, he ran to them from the tent door and bowed himself toward uh, the ground. And the next verse says, and then he said, my Lord, if now I found favor in thy sight, pass not away, I pray thee from, from thy servant. He called himself a, he called himself a servant. And, and this was a rich man. Now, in those days, when you see a very rich man running to men, of God, and then he's bowing and he says, I'm your servant, please don't bypass me. It is funny for the person who is observing that. You understand? And the Bible says, and let a little water, I pray, you be fetched and wash your feet. I want to wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will fetch a muzzle of bread. I, 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 I will not tell my servants. No, I personally will fetch a muzzle of bread and comfort your hearts. And after that, you shall pass on. For therefore, are ye come to your servant? And they say, so do as thou have said. But he says, you're my, I'm your servant. Can, can I do it? Can I, can I serve you? Can I, can I serve you? Because he knows that these are men from God or men of God. Or this is God. Can I serve you? And the next verse says, and Abraham, listen, this is Abraham. He has servants. He has slaves. He has cooks. He hastened into the tent unto Sarah and said, make ready quickly three measures of fine meal, knead it, and make cakes upon the hearth. And the Bible says, and Abraham ran unto the heart and fetched a calf tender and good and gave it unto a young man and he hastened to dress it. And the Bible says, and he took butter and milk and the calf which he had dressed and set it before them. He is even the one who was serving them. He, he came and then served them. The, the, the blessed of God served them. And the Bible says, and they did and, and, and the Bible says, and, and, and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Picture it for a moment. This is Abraham, your father. He has gotten men of God. He's serving them. And as they were eating, he also didn't sit on the same table to eat with them, no. As they were eating, he stood just next to them and just watched them eating. Waiting for a man to say there's no salt. And then he goes and collects salt and brings it. Anything else you need? I need more water. Okay, I'll bring it. And he stood there until they ate. Tell your neighbor that is where you came from. Did that take away what Abraham had? No. And what does the next verse say? And the next verse says, and they said unto him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, she's in the tent. And the Bible says, and he said, I'll suddenly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah had it in the tent door. The moment he served them, they said, you're going to have a child. Abraham just needed to serve men to get a child. He didn't need to go to prayer mountain. 
He didn't need to, to make self-confession but communication of your faith becoming effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you is in Christ. He didn't have to say I'm above, I breathe, I see which is in me than he that in the world I cannot be barren, I can't die, I cannot. No, no. He didn't need to speak all that nonsense. He just needed to know who has it and how to serve who has it and that was enough to get him a son. Some of you don't even know that you can serve somebody and then they speak one word in your life. And your life changes for good. Your blessings are not far. I remember when I was working KCB. There was a girl in the branch, in the, one of the branches in the neighboring, one of the neighboring countries. And this story was told by one of our people then. And this girl, there was a customer. And this customer wrote a transaction, but I think he did not sign well. And so the transaction was supposed to go through. And there was a big guy. And the transaction was supposed to go through. And then somehow as they checked the signatures, they realized that the signatures were not as rhyming as they ought to be in the system. So this girl calls the man. And the man tells her, you know what? I am running to the airport. And that that. That, that, that transaction must take place. And the girl said, but how can it take place? How can it take place this way? You, you, we've tried this, we've tried that, we've tried this, we've tried this. And the man said, you know what? Re do whatever you can. Okay, let me sign when I come back. No, my bosses will not allow that because it's an audit issue to make sure that the signature goes through the trans before the transaction is done. It's, it's policy. And the girl told the man, you know what? Let me get in, I can't find you. She gets into the car, drives to the airport, meets the guy before he boards. She sign, he signs very well. The transaction is done. And the moment the guy comes back in the country, he brings her a list of jobs, which is probably 10 times bigger than her pay grade, and tells her, choose one. Moments changed her life. Because she humbled herself to serve when occasion demanded. Some people, that's why they look at it and they say, ah, it's up to him. It's his mistake. That's why some of you are not married. A wife is a builder. Oh no, you'll not get it. How does that even connect? You'll understand. It's his problem. If he doesn't want to listen, no, fix it. You're the helper. Suitable. This is his problem. He doesn't do anything. No. Tell him you messed up. I'm your helper. Don't worry. We got this. Think a way out. That man will say, Aha, this is it. This is it. Because if the woman is not wise, you fear for your babies. Am I the one who said that? It's the Bible. It's the Bible. Somebody say amen. amen. Jacob, your father, in Genesis 31, from 38, he starts narrating the things he did for Laban. He says, 20 years I have been with you. My, the, your ewes and your she-goats have not cast their young ones, and the rams of your flock I have not eaten. That which was torn of the beasts, I brought not unto thee. I bore the loss of it, and my hand didst thou require of it, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. And he says that I was, thus I was in the day, the drought consumed me, and the frost by the night, and sleep departed from my eyes. Why? He was serving a man. And little did he know that God wanted to make him the father of 12 tribes. The responsibility that comes with that had to come. And, and you read scripture. You're going to see that God gets Abraham out of the confines of, of his father. Because he, he wants to cause him to teach him how to serve. He gets Moses from Pharaoh's camp. Because he wants to teach the man to serve men. Because he knows one day, once they stay in comfort zones, read this list, the story is endless. Joseph from his family. Read all of those guys. Realize that at one point in life, God wants to separate you from those that... Huh? Apollo just said and when he wants to put you in a place to see whether you will serve. Ask your neighbor, who are you serving? 
Joseph, Genesis 39, verses 2 and 5. Let's begin from verses 2. He says, And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And the Bible says, And his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. And the Bible says, And Joseph found grace in his sight, and he served him. And he made him overseer. What did he do? He made him overseer in all that he had put into his hands. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now follow the trend. Abraham serves, he gets a child. Jacob serves, he fathers Israel. Uh, Joseph serves, he becomes master in the household. David, 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verses 5. And David went... We went, went with the soever Saul sent him. The boy went everywhere Saul sent him. Yet he was anointed king in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Two chapters before he was anointed king. But there was a man in the office of whom the spirit of the Lord has departed from. But he carried the anointing of the office. No longer the office of the king. And David had the office of the king. The anointing of the king and not the anointing of the office. And he started serving the anointing of, of the office. Yet he carried the anointing of the king. David would have sat down with some random silly boys and start saying, now, that soul guy, the spirit descended on me. Samuel anointed me. That guy is dead. He's fake. Let's topple him. Let's kill him. Let us destroy him. Uh -uh. Don't think that because you killed a Philistine, you're just going to wake up tomorrow morning and get the man in the office and kill him because the Lord has anointed you to be king. That is foolish. Serve the office. And the Bible says he went wherever Saul sent him and behaved himself wisely. And Saul sent him over the men of war. He set him, sorry. The Bible says he set him over the men of war. And he was accepted in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. He was a servant of Saul. Yet he had, remember, he, he had the blessing of being a husband to the daughter of Saul. He could have behaved himself like one of the princes. Right? He was a husband to Michal. You understand? But all through to the end of the life of David, God calls David the servant of Saul, even though he was married to the daughter of Saul. And the Bible says he was set above all people, above all the men of war. Solomon, Banaki. I could read the whole Bible. In 1 Kings chapter 1, remember now David is old. And Adonijah the son has gone to make himself king. And of course, he had the priest like Abiathar on his side and a few other funny guys who are always there in rebellion. By the way, there's always people who rebel against true order and they feel they're right. So Adonijah, the Bible calls him with the sons of the king. He went to, he, he went to make himself king before even David was dead or even David anointed him because I think he felt I'm old, I'm what, I'm this, I think I have the power, I have everything, I, I'm bigger than Solomon, I'm wiser, I'm all these kinds of things. So the guy starts to what? He said, Nathan comes to Bathsheba and tells him, go to the king. And when you say these words, I'll also come in and say. Now, let's begin from verses, I think, 17. When Bathsheba goes to who? To David. Now, many of you don't know the Hebrew word there for Bathsheba is daughter of Oath. Amazingly, she carried the blessing of Oath and fulfilled again in the story of how David promises her that your son, the man that you shall produce, shall come after me as king. So she, she had the covenant with God. But that covenant was not enough to get Solomon into the palace, to give Solomon leadership. You understand? Like Joseph had a dream, but that dream was not enough to make him the man he was. Like Abraham, God had appeared to him, but God appearing to him was not what made him special. The list is endless. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. David was anointed king, but the anointing of king is not what makes him sit on the throne. It's the same thing with Solomon. The fact that God has spoken in his life through David and David promising the daughter of Oth that your son shall be king, it's not enough. That because prophecy is spoken, therefore it's going to be fulfilled in your life. That's why some of you, you say, but God, you spoke. But God, you spoke. And things are failing and dying. Oh, but God, you spoke. And this is why you think that because he spoke, it's enough. It's not enough. In verse 17, she said unto King David, she says, my Lord, 
thou swearest by the Lord thy God unto thine handmaid, saying, Assuredly, Solomon thy son shall reign after me, and he shall sit upon my throne. And the Bible says, And now behold, Adonijah reigneth. And now, my Lord, the king, thou knowest it. Now listen to what she says. Thou knowest it. Thou. He says, And now, my Lord, thou knowest it not. Sorry, he didn't, you didn't know it. And, and the next verse says, And he hath slain oxen and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and has called all the sons of the king and Abiathar the priest and Job the cup. But now Job, eh? Job is a funny chap. I have a someone there called the Job spirit. Look for it. The captain of a host, but Solomon... Solomon, Adonijah called all the sons of the king. All the sons of the king. But there was one person he didn't call. And amazingly, all the other boys were sons of David. But the Bible says, but Solomon, thy servant, has he not called? He didn't say, Solomon, your son. Because when Bathsheba was told that this boy was going to be king, she raised him up telling him, if you're going to be king, serve the man. Don't just be a son. Serve the man. Don't just be a son. Serve. Let the sons fight for positions. Let the servant serve. You understand what I'm saying? Let people fight for positions. You serve. Tell me, I'm the one who does this. You serve. Let them blackmail, backbite, speak all evil nonsense. Let them gossip and slander. You serve. And the next verse says, And thou, O Lord, my king, the eyes of Israel are upon thee, that thou shouldest tell them who shall sit on the throne of my Lord, the king, after him. And the Bible says, And otherwise it shall come to pass that when my Lord, the king, shall sleep with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon should be counted offenders. And now, while she yet was talking with the king, Nathan the prophet also came in, like Nathan had told her before. And Nathan, remember, he's the one who, who plotted this whole thing. He says, you go before, and then I'll come in later. Why? Because no king takes the testimony of one person. Remember the scripture says that at the testimony of two or three witnesses, every word is established. Nathan knew that the king and his wisdom cannot just listen to one foolish rumor and then say, oh, I believe, and then stand up. No, he knew that the kind of man David is, a man after God's own heart, if you go alone and speak, it shall not be enough. So what you'll do, you go in, say those words, and I'll also come in and be the second witness to establish the word in the heart of the king. Because if I can establish it two times as a second witness, he shall make a decision, he shall judge the matter. Same as you. Don't just listen to a churuma and go with it. Some of you are too simple. Gund is a thief. Oh my God, Gund is a thief. I didn't know he's a thief. Can you show you a thief? No. Listen to two or three witnesses. And not witnesses which are rumor mongering. Witnesses which are witnesses who have seen him still. You're free in Jesus' name. So Nathan the prophet also came in. And the Bible says, and they told the king, saying, Behold, Nathan the prophet. And when he was coming before the king, he bowed himself before the king with his face to the ground. And the Bible says, and Nathan said, My lord, O king, thou hast said, Adonijah shall reign upon thou. O king, hast thou said, Adonijah shall uh, reign after me, and that he shall sit upon my throne? And the Bible says, and for he is gone down this day, and has slain oxen and cattle, and fat cattle and sheep in abundance, and has called all the king's sons, and the captains of the host, and Abiathar the priest. And behold, they eat and drink before him, and say, God save the king Adonijah. But me... Even me, thy servant, me, 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 your servant, and Zadok the priest, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and thy servant Solomon, he has not called. He left all the servants of David. And the next verse says, And this thing done by my Lord the king, and thou hast not showed it unto thy servant, who should sit on the throne of my Lord the king after him. And the Bible says, Then King David answered and said, call me Bathsheba. She came into his presence and stood before the king. And the Bible says, and the king swore and said, as the Lord liveth, that has redeemed my soul out of all distress. And the Bible says, even as I swear unto thee by the Lord God of Israel, saying, assuredly, Solomon, thy son shall reign after me. And he said, sit upon my throne in my stead, even so I'll certainly do it to this day. And the next verse says, then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the earth and did reference to the king and said, let thy Lord King David live forever. And the next verse says, and King David said, call me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and they came before the king. And the king said unto them, Take with you the servants, with you the servants 
of your Lord and cause Solomon my son to ride upon mine own mule and bring him down to Gihon and let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there king over Israel and blow ye the trumpet saying God save the king Solomon. Don't even waste your time to go and tell Adonijah is doing wrong. Anoint the guy I've put the hand on and let us see whether that boy will raise his, his hand against the man God has anointed. He was a wise man. He didn't waste his time to go, oh, go pursue him, kill him, arrest him, bring him for me here. No, no. He said, no, I know who the guy is. I know who the real servant is. I know who the son is and I know who is supposed to take over this thing. Bring the guy, anoint him Zadok. He shall be priest. And what is Zadok? He that imputeth righteousness. Actually, the Hebrew word for Zadok means he that imputeth righteousness. So he imputes righteousness. Praise God. Serve. Tell your neighbor, learn to serve. Serve somebody. At your workplace, serve. Men of God, pastors, serve someone. Serve somebody. And this is so bad when it comes to pastors in the body of Christ. What? Me, I mean, the spirit of God, he's upon me. No, listen. Apostle Grace, up to today, I still serve. I just don't show it, so some of you should know. But I still serve. My inner circle, the pastors, have seen me serve. They've seen me serve my man of God. They know how I serve him. Praise God. It doesn't matter how anointed I'll be, as long as I'm still in this flesh, I'll serve somebody. Because I know what service does. Men of God, serve somebody. And serve. Praise God. Christians, serve. Your star will shine. It will shine. Get to your feet. Have you learned something? I want you to speak words to God. If you have not been serving, <laughs> it's not too late. I want you to tell God some words according to what you've learned today. I don't need to tell you what or how. Just tell him some words according to what you have heard today. Just tell him what. Tell him, God, I want to serve. I want to serve you. And I know that by serving men, I serve you. And men who serve you, I will serve. And serve. Come on, serve. Let the ruins come to life. And the beauty of your name Rising up from the ashes God forever you reign And my soul will find refuge In the shadow of your wings I will love you forever And forever I'll stay When the mountains fall and the tempest rolls, you are with me. When creation falls, still my soul will soar on your mercy. I'll walk through the fire with my head lifted up and my spirit revived in your story. I'll look to the cross as my failure is lost in the light of your glorious grace. Come to life in the beauty of your name, rising up from the ashes. God forever reign, and my soul will find refuge in the shadow of your wings. I will love you forever and forever. Put your hands up, I want to pray for you. I bless you. I bless you. 
I bless everything you do. I bless your going in and going out. I bless your bread and water. I bless your substance. You will serve without struggle. You'll serve not as I pleasers, not as men pleasers. You will serve in presence and in absence, wherever the Lord will ordain you and whoever the Lord will send you to serve. You'll be the example of bond servants. You're not slaves, but you are servants by choice. Because like the Son of God came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. So did you come in this world to be a minister of men and not to be ministered unto. But I believe that as you continue to do it, men shall serve you. Men shall rise for you. Men shall give for you. Men will avail for you. Your star will shine. Favor will find you in uncommon places. Doors open upon you. God make his face shine upon you. May he make your countenance smile. May he appear to you always. May he satisfy and answer all your petitions. May the God of Jacob defend you. May he be your strength, your peace. May he uphold your altar. May he be your grace. May he be your sanctification. May he be your glorification. And great days await you. They await you. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody say amen. Clap for Jesus. Now listen, if you're here and you've never given your life to Jesus and you want to receive him today as your Lord and Savior, that man died for you. He died for you. That you would be free and walk in the newness of life. He shed his blood for you. If you want to receive him today and say, today I want to, today I want my life to change. I want to give my life to, to God, the author of life. Come, come and receive him now. Come. Come and receive him as your Lord and Savior. Just come and stand here. Come. 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 He died openly. He was crucified openly. He wants you to do it openly. You know, sometimes you go for meetings and people say, all eyes closed, all heads bow. What are we bowing? You're not stealing. Come in the presence of God. If you're sick, touch why it's paining. Right now in the name of Jesus. I rebuke and I bind and I destroy that spirit of infirmity and disease. I command it to leave you. Somebody with a back issue is healed. Somebody with, yes, carry her. God is delivering somebody. Infections are healing right now. Somebody, you've been getting wounds and they have pus on your body, on your hands and your legs. God is healing you now. That woman with a child is heart disease. God is healing that child now. You're going to testify, I believe, this coming week. Fibroids are healing. There's somebody with kidney issues, God is healing you now. Kidney. Kidneys are healing now. Heart disease is healing now. There's somebody you've been having a very bad pain on your bone. There's a bone in the back there. There's a bone. Eh? Your tailbone. There's a bad pain it has you couldn't even sit for long be healed in the mighty name of Jesus is somebody you woke up at 4 this morning and you had a headache this morning at 4 a.m. and you are not feeling well even in your chest area there was your heart wasn't pumping right. Come. For you, I want to lay hands on you. You had a headache at 4 a.m. in the morning and your chest felt... You're the one? Put up your hands. I need a chest. The power of God is going to deliver you right now. In the mighty name of Jesus. Power of the Holy Ghost! Heal. 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 Those of you who have come, I want you to repeat this word after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I receive you today as my Lord and Savior. I believe that you died 
and rose again for me. I believe that you're the son of God that gave his life for my sins. Today, I receive you fully. I give you my heart. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero, make manifest.